This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All up on Kevin Durant, but they gave him a little daylight. Deadly! Durant's dynamite! This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. With Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday. Time to get to today. Ken Barkley joins us next hour. Talks some college football. We'll dive into who could be that four team in the playoff. Odds to make the college football playoff coming up about 20 minutes. Right now, though, let's talk some NBA. Win totals, futures here. Dan Bresperis joining us on the Roman guest line. Dan, welcome back to the show. And it's always a fun time. Like, we're just a couple months out from the tip of the NBA season. And for us, Dan, on our show, we're about to get just like, just knee deep in football the next couple months. So, we thought this was the week. Let's talk some NBA before we miss the boat. Win totals. We know you have a, a bunch. So, what are you thinking here? When you look at the win totals for this season, where do you see some opportunity? Yeah, so my normal move with win totals, and good morning, by the way. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hi, yeah, morning. To, yeah, hi. So, uh, is to fade uh, typically large-scale player movement. And that was uh, a, a, an easy path a couple of years ago when a number of guys changed teams. Last year, there was an opportunity to fade teams that, and this is, I know, we're getting sort of deep in the weeds here, Last year, there was an opportunity to fade what we saw the year before, which is when a lot of teams, we didn't really know what was going on with COVID, and like five or six teams in particular just got completely decimated by it. If you remember, the Mavs had to leave half their team in Denver for like three weeks a couple seasons back. This year is kind of a different monster in that there is an understanding of how COVID is going to impact teams in the NBA. It's going to be a little bit more of a level playing field to that end. So you're kind of back now to handicapping team storylines, if that makes sense. What's a team trying to accomplish in a given year? Are they going to get there? And then you're looking for a little statistical regression. So um, I'll just jump in with the one that for whatever reason, and, and like I'm going to probably feel nauseated the entire season. My favorite play on the board is none of those teams you can see listed there. It's one that's much farther down. It's the Sacramento Kings over their season win total this year. It's a team that's been, uh, can I say, in hell for like the last 15 yeah. years? Yeah. And they finally moved Luke Walton. I've been taking the under for every single season that Luke was at the helm of that team because I knew the... <laughs> The personnel decisions were going to be terrible. 
they made right decisions this year. They got rid of the guy that was holding them back himself. Everything I thought last year that could have gone wrong did, and they still got to within two or three wins of what the number is this season. So better offseason moves. You know, trading Tyrese Halliburton was not my favorite idea in the world, but in the very short term, they did get a little bit better with Sabonis. There's a build. Like, they're just an offensive team now, and they have accepted that. They're not going to try to do whatever cockamamie half-court stuff that they were being square peg round holed into the last couple seasons. And I think they want to win badly. So that's another big piece to when you're handicapping season win totals. Do you care more about the team winning than the team does? Because that's not a great wager. <laughs> and in this case, I think the team is going to care a lot. I like the Kings going over and obviously not to be the champions because you can see the odds on your screen there. But I like them going over this year. And I thought I'd dive right in with one of the most disgusting ones I had. <laughs> well, well, let's stay there, right? Um, because we were talking about a couple of these teams on yesterday's show. I don't mind staying in the 30s and the 20s because I actually think they're kind of intriguing. I don't like betting <laughs> overs when the number's in the 50s. Uh, the Jazz number is 31 and a half. Uh, Pistons, 28 and a half. Are there any other uh, bottom feeders that you find intriguing? Yeah, uh, it's not the Pistons, though. Um, I think their number is pretty close because you're still we're still talking about a team that's that's probably right on the cusp of caring enough to win. What I do think, and I'm really glad you brought up these these 20s because I think last year we saw probably about the lowest that the worst teams were going to be. I'm trying to phrase that the right way, where. Houston was only at 20 wins and you had a 22 win team and a 23 win team. I think the fight for the bottom this year is actually going to be slightly less embarrassing. Like you might see if the Pacers trade Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, they're probably going to be kind of an embarrassing team this year. But outside of Indiana, the worst teams, uh, the Magic, who just got the number one pick, the Spurs are going to be trying to lose, the Thunder, the Rockets. You can see the names on the board there in front of you. I think those teams actually got a tiny bit better this offseason, whether it's through the draft or, or just general player development. I feel like the worst team in the NBA are going to be more in the 23 to 25. I think we lost Dan there. We'll, we'll, we'll get him back up. Talking about some so of those win totals. Absolute lowest numbers with going over the I'm worried. Did I freeze up a little bit on you guys there? I'm sorry. You did. You're back. So just yes. just go back to your point. Uh, yeah. You, last thing we heard, the magic, some of those lower win totals. So kind of continue your point off that. Yeah. So, I, you know, the and I apologize if I repeat a couple of things. For me, a lot of it is the expectation that the worst teams in the NBA are going to be just slightly not as worst as they were last year. So a team like the magic, yeah, they're going to lose a lot of ball games, but could they get to 26 wins? and still be in that bottom four or five? I think the answer is yes. So again, I'm looking at the absolute lowest ones on the board. The Magic are there, the Rockets, the Spurs in particular, those two teams are at 23 and a half. I think they get to 24. I think the Spurs accidentally get to 24. They still, I know they traded DeJounte Murray, but they still have Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertle. They have enough okay players on the team and the same story with houston uh alperin shengun who i think is going to be a really interesting center as he grows jalen green kevin porter jr uh jay sean tate jabari smith jr who they just drafted and the magic getting banchero to add to all these guys and markel fultz is now healthy for a full year and i don't know if jonathan isaac actually exists 
in our plane of existence. I, that's we haven't seen him in two full years, so who knows there. But provided he does show up at some point this season, I just think the worst teams are not as horrible. So if you look at the numbers at the way, way bottom, I think you could sneak over those by a half win or maybe a win and a half. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dan, I, I'm some of these I love, and then I'm like, oh, man, but it's juiced. I'm a little late to the party. Are there <laughs> any win totals where you can see, like, still some good value available? Yeah, so, you know, I think some of them are already puffed up a little bit, but I, I don't know that I... I don't know that it matters that much to me. Like I still kind of <coughs> like the Knicks to go over, even though that number's probably a full win higher than I expected it would be. I just think that's another team where everything last year went wrong for them. Julius Randle was terrible offensively. They brought in more efficiency with Jalen Brunson. So that's still one that could sort of slip up and over the total. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, I think the, the highest profile teams are ones that you generally want to look at and under and see if you can talk yourself out of it. So like Brooklyn now with Kevin Durant, uh, agreeing to play for them. I don't know what the hell's going on out there, but I guess he's staying, uh, the Lakers number is always higher than it should be. Those are ones where you can start with an under and sort of flip it back the other way. I don't know that the other ones are juiced so far. Uh, just like at a baseline to say I wouldn't ever touch an over, but Lakers, uh, Nets, yeah. those are teams that were where it's probably so high that you almost can never look at an over, if that makes sense. I don't know if I answered mm -hmm. the question there. <laughs> yeah. No, you did, Dan. Um, one thing we were talking about yesterday, and I know you, you talked about one of these teams a little bit there, but the Knicks and the Jazz, it's, I, I think there's a chance to maybe correlate those two. You know, I know we're kind of on pause now. I guess the Durant thing is over. I don't think the Donovan Mitchell thing is over. It wouldn't shock me if he's a Nick on opening night. And I look at those two numbers. I mean, you can find the Knicks upper 30s, a little under 40, and you can find the Jazz 31-ish. I mean, I, like you said, I might take those as they are. But if Donovan Mitchell gets to the Knicks – I know the Knicks always disappoint, but Dan, if they have Mitchell and Brunson in their backcourt, that's a, that's at least a 500 team. And the Jazz are going to be bad anyway, but if they dump Mitchell, I mean, that could be the worst team in the NBA or one of the worst. What do you think about that, kind of the correlating a potential trade with the over and under in those two teams? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. It's it's almost like setting yourself up for a middling opportunity based on expected news, which I really like a lot, especially, like you said, when – the play itself, you kind of like anyway. Uh, Utah is going to be horrible without Rudy Gobert. I know we love to make Rudy the butt of all of our jokes, but he was 
everything that they built there was around him. I know that we want to say, oh, like they're building around Donovan Mitchell, but I don't know if anybody watched the games that Rudy missed last year. The Jazz couldn't stop teams even for a second. They were going to give up a buck 15 to a buck 25 every game. You're not going to win many games if you're allowing 125 points to bad opponents, which is basically what they're going to do. They don't even have a center on their roster right now or like not an established one. So, yeah, I love it. I think the Jazz probably go under even if they don't make the move. If they trade Donovan Mitchell, then they obviously become a tank team. And on the flip side, like I was saying a second ago, I actually like the Knicks to go over. They're always going to play hard. I like the moves they made this offseason already to just shore up the efficiency on the offensive side, which was just awful last year. They still got close to being a 500 team. We're only talking about needing another two, three wins over a really bad season in New York. And then again... If that trade goes down, you might be able to set yourself up for a three or four win middle opportunity, which you pretty much always have to take at this point, because that's a big, big, big window. And I do think Donovan Mitchell would be graded out uh, at at least three wins, especially when you consider that betting into it after the fact probably moves the line even a little bit farther. Uh, Dan, what about some of these teams in the mid-range, maybe uh, mid to lower 40s win totals, uh, like the Hawks, the Pelicans are there, Raptors, Bulls, Cavaliers, uh, anything jump out over or under on any of those? So the Hawks are actually a great example of one of those situations, and there's there's really not very many of them. I guess you could say Minnesota with Gobert coming to town, but he's a low-usage, big-impact guy that moved the Hawks are a great example of a team for me that I almost always start by looking at the under. When you put a big usage guy on a team where there was already uh, sort of a built-in system, which is the give it to Trey Young system, there's going to be a long adjustment period. And that's all it takes for a number to stay under a, on a season win total. Because if they get off to a slightly sub 500 start their first 20 25 games that's a lot to make up a lot of ground to make up the last whatever it is 55 ish games the rest of the way so a hawks are a team where i would look at the under i think the pels are a team where the number might be a tiny bit juiced just based on the zion williamson stuff him coming back so that's another one where i would potentially look at an under that mid-range stuff those are fun because that's all about looking deep into the numbers, deep into the personnel, deep into the storyline around a team and trying to figure out, is there a little bit of an edge one way or another? Uh, the, the ones that you mentioned, I just happened to kind of like, I'm, I'm looking a little bit at the under with a lot of those teams, but it, it could go either direction in, in that mid range. There is some value in there. They're not my favorite plays on the board, but like a team like the Hawks, that's one where there is a built-in angle that I'm looking at before I even look at the number. Really quick, what about the Celtics? 56 and a half just seems like a bit of an overreaction. What would you do there? Yeah, it's just too big. I, I mean, the biggest number on the board, I'm usually looking at an under with that one. It's You can't just bet it blindly, but that is a, a crazy huge number. And I think it actually even opened at 55 and went up by a win. And again, I know wow. they were on pace to get to that type of number if you extrapolate the second half of last season all the way through this one. But my question with a team on a number that high, especially coming off a finals appearance, is what are they trying to prove between now and April? They just got to the finals. That should be, I would assume, pretty much the only thing on their mind this regular season is can we make sure Time Lord Robert Williams' knees are okay when the playoffs start? Can we make sure Jalen Brown's knees are okay when we get to the playoffs? Can we make sure every piece of Marcus Smart is okay 
when we get to the playoffs. <laughs> I don't see any reason why they're going to push their guys that hard in the regular season. And 53, 54, even 55 wins, that's probably enough to get you in the top two seeds out in the East. So I don't see any reason why they need to get to 57 wins. It's just, there's, again, it's that whole, like, do I want this team to win more than they do on a given night? And if, you, if you're feeling that way, it's probably not a great bet. So I lean under with them. Great stuff. Dan Vespers joining us here on the Roman guest line. On the other side, let's dive into college football to make the playoff our favorite place to be the four playoff teams in college football this year. That's next on Beck UL Daily.